Thanks for listening to this podcast of Trending with Timory from the Relevant Radio app. Anything you share in terms of episodes, whether it's texting it to a friend, posting on social media, helps to build up the kingdom for God to help confront the challenging issues we face as a culture, but with joy, with hope, and with an eternal perspective where our faith collides with everyday life, bringing eternal principles to help us live our life joyfully. Let's look at our Theology of the Body series this week. Today and tomorrow, we're talking all about the fulfillment of the body. What's the purpose and final function of our bodies in heaven? It's actually a pretty incredible section of Theology of the Body. Today, we're talking about talk 64 through 69, if you're following along. And it brings some interesting questions to mind. What is the fulfillment of the body? Did you ever think there was one? Are you just living life, functioning day to day, following every whim and desire? What will our bodies be like in heaven? Do you ever think about what the resurrection of the body is? Pope St. John Paul II in Theology of the Body poses a view of the fulfillment of the body in heaven as a body and soul union. And I'll tease out what that is a little further. In the beatific vision, we understand that we're united with God. We experience the vision of God. Totality, we're consumed in the totality of our body and soul with a fulfillment of all our desires and understanding of purpose. We're living out our purpose in God. It's more than we can even imagine living that beatific vision in heaven. So this week's section of Theology of the Body that we're focusing on has to do with just that, the resurrection of the body, living with God in heaven. Fundamentally, God is not a God of the dead, but of the living. So often we put a lot of weight on death, fear of death, avoidance of death. I've seen a lot of my friends lose children to miscarriage or at a young age, and Time and time again, I have these conversations with friends who, as they're mourning the loss of their children, and we remind ourselves of that faith-filled perspective of how we are called to be saints. We are called to live life in heaven. And what a beautiful thing, although it is mournful for parents here on earth to celebrate the life of a child still preserved in their innocence as they die, especially prior to the time where their innocence can be destroyed. And it brings to mind, again, that understanding that we are made for heaven. And while we are living now, death is what is necessary to enter into the glory of God and enter into that beatific vision. We can be alive in Christ now. We can live in a state of grace. And we should be. That's part of what I love about Pope St. John Paul II's work. He believes and knows we can be saints here and now. In the fullness of the human person, we see that the vision of God is lived out. So Irenaeus actually talks quite a bit about this. There's this quote I love, and I'll paraphrase it. It's, the vision of God is man fully alive, and man fully alive is the vision of God. And so we're understanding ourselves in the light of God. Formative to shaping this anthropology of theology of the body that Pope St. John Paul II has been talking about are the words of Jesus Christ about the resurrection. And so today and tomorrow, we're going to hone in on a conversation Jesus has with the Sadducees. You can see this in Matthew chapter 22, Mark 12, and Luke 20. I'll post an excerpt of this inside 
the show notes as well for today's show. Now, if you don't know who the Sadducees are, the Pharisees are the people that are very focused on the law. Sadducees are the ones who, the joke goes, they're sad because they don't believe in the resurrection. So the Sadducees try to catch Jesus in asking him a question in these chapters of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They pose the example of a man who dies, and when he dies, his brother marries his wife, and that brother dies, and so on and so forth until all seven brothers are deceased. And the question is, basically, okay, you're talking about the resurrection, Jesus. If there's such a thing as the resurrection, although those aren't the exact words, but he basically says in heaven, whose wife would she be if she was married to all seven? Now, they're appealing to a tradition from Deuteronomy where if a man's if a man dies, his brother marries her, marries the wife, and raises children in his brother's name. And so they're posing this question to Jesus, if each dies, whose wife is she in the resurrection? And as it goes, it's actually fantastic to walk through this entire narrative because Jesus comments, it is not, is not this the reason you are wrong, that you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God? For when they rise from the dead, they take neither wife nor husband, but are like angels in heaven. He goes on to say, and as for the dead being raised, have you not read in the book of Moses and the story about the bush, how God said to him, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not God of the dead, but of the living. Here we see Jesus is emphasizing first belief in the power of God to raise the body and to fulfill the body far beyond the human natural law and function of the body that we understand in terms of the generative dimension and marriage. Also, we have to acknowledge in what Jesus is saying that life does not end with death. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are all living persons for God, as Pope St. John Paul II says. In other words, our fullness of our life is meant to be in heaven. Marriage ceases in heaven. Do you notice that? And we'll talk about that a little bit more tomorrow here on Trending. The vocation and mission of marriage as a path to holiness ceases because we have lived that earthly sojourn. So don't make up your own ideas about God or the resurrection like the Sadducees did. The resurrection of our bodies is dependent upon the order and perfect will of God. We're going to talk a little bit more about what it means for our bodies to be totally fulfilled in God in heaven as Pope St. John Paul II draws out this wonderful anthropology of the human person in the theology of the body. Here we are in our Theology of the Body series, if you've been with me, and we're actually talking right now about the resurrection. Pope St. John Paul II delivered over 150 catechetical talks, and in these talks, he spoke about, sorry, 130 talks, he spoke about forming a human anthropology that from the dawn of creation has always been centered upon God. Yet we try to have some scientific explanation for the human person. You can't get it right if you do it without God. And so this is what I love about the theology of the body and where we're at is the part in establishing one of the key biblical texts of theology of the body, and that centers around the resurrection. The resurrection and Jesus's call of attention to our focus. And now we read about this. We were talking earlier in the week about how we see this in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And we see this explanation drawn out where there's a debate between the Sadducees coming up to Jesus and trying to 
get him stuck on an answer about the resurrection. Because the Sadducees, well, the joke goes, they're sad because they don't believe in the resurrection. And what we'll talk about later is that St. Paul says, if you don't believe in the resurrection, then everything's fake. Your faith is fake. It's not real. You're an imposter. It's all in vain if we get rid of the resurrection of the body. And this is what's significant even about us celebrating All Saints Day and All Souls Day in the coming weeks. So what I want to do is read from Mark chapter 12, where Pope St. John Paul II is appealing to Jesus' words in this conversation with the Sadducees, where the Sadducees have come up and said, okay, well, what about if you, if a man gets married, he dies, and he leaves behind his widow? And there's a custom in Deuteronomy in the Old Testament where the next brother in line would then marry his brother's dead wife, and so on and so forth, all the way down to the Sadducees giving the example of seven men who die, and then the wife dies, And the question is, who is she married to in heaven? And Jesus says there's actually no marriage or giving in marriage in heaven. So this is part of this whole conversation. We're going to talk about whether or not there is marriage in heaven within the broader context of what the fulfillment of the body is. It's all about the resurrection. So in Mark chapter 12, we we read, is not this the reason you are wrong, that you neither that you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God? For when they rise from the dead, they take neither wife nor husband. He then goes on to say, And as for the dead being raised, have you not read in the book of Moses? And a story about the bush, how God said to him, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not God of the dead, but of the living. So that's from Mark 12. That's part of Jesus' response to the Sadducees. He's saying, you don't believe enough, essentially, in the power of God. And we need to recognize that God is the God, not of the dead, but of the living. Life doesn't end in death. It's actually what ushers us into the life of the world to come, where we are made to be. Now, Pope St. John Paul II starts to look at Jesus' response here of the fact that he says there will be no taking of a husband or a wife or giving. There will be no marriage in heaven. Pope St. John Paul II says that marriage and procreation do not constitute man's eschatological future. It's a big word. Eschatology, eschatological theology all focuses on the end times, on life after death. And so what he's saying is that the fulfillment, the end of the human person actually don't have to do with having babies and marriage. Although that's fundamental to life here on earth, maleness and femaleness are understood in a different way in their fulfillment in heaven. Maleness and femaleness are understood, and we're going to tease this out, in their totality and fullness in heaven as a virginal. God transcends our nature. He fulfills it, glorifies it, and brings it to perfection. He elevates what it means to be man and what it means to be woman. Pope St. John Paul II says, resurrection means restoration to the true life of human bodiliness. What Pope St. John Paul II is focusing on is he's saying, understand the fulfillment of your body, the glorification of your body is in the resurrection. He says the resurrection signifies a new submission of the body to the spirit. I love that. I'm going to say that again. The resurrection signifies a new submission of the body to the spirit. 
of our bodies to the Holy Spirit, to the will of God. And all of that is made possible through union with God here on earth. So what St. Paul in all of the New Testament focuses much on that already not yet, that we can be in the kingdom of heaven now. As part of the mission of Jesus Christ, we repent and believe in the gospel. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Not just when you go to heaven. We can live in union with God under his reign in his domain now. And so the statement of Pope St. John Paul II from Catechetical Talk 66, he says the resurrection signifies a new submission of the body to the spirit. So there's a level of us being united to God here on earth. But in heaven, we are glorified in our, in our body, in its fulfillment before God, seeing him face to face. You see, final happiness incorporates the totality of the person in the dimension of both the body and the soul. That's why all of creation groans inwardly for the redemption of the body, as St. Paul talks about in Romans chapter 8. And this is why we focus very much so on the fact that the body at the end of time will be raised into heaven, just as Jesus Christ and Our Lady have their risen bodies in heaven. We don't just become spirits alone. This is part of the reason why in Mark 12, Jesus talks about how we'll be like angels in the respect that we will have our body raised on a spiritual level. We'll be spiritualized, divinized by God. There will be no longer any discord the way we experience here on earth between body and soul. Our desires will be aligned with what is good. Our desires will be aligned with God's will. God's will will be our will. There will be no longer any discontinuity between what we desire to do and what we do if we merit heaven. So then Pope St. John Paul II focuses on the words of Jesus where he says, there will be neither taking of wife nor husband in heaven. There's no giving in marriage. The fulfillment of the spousal meaning the body, Pope St. John Paul II indicates, is fully revealed in heaven as virginal. So what does that mean? What he's saying is that the glorification of the body in heaven is virginal. That doesn't mean you have to be a virgin here on earth, although that sure can help. A lot of the saints before us who walked before us have been single and virgins. The Catholic Church celebrates virginity. We've actually been talking about this during the series over the last couple of months, that we've lost sight of the celebration of virginity. It's almost an icky word in modern-day culture or a joke today in modern-day culture. Yet the glorified view of the body is from the perspective that there's no marriage, there's no, no procreation and generation anymore as there is with marriage and family life. Remember, marriage is fundamental to having children. It's the proper end of marriage is children because we're learning to become a gift. We're learning to give ourselves to each other in marriage to our spouses and vice versa, learning to give and receive and learning to do so all the more so with the great challenge of being parents. 
And so what Pope St. John Paul II is pointing to is that while there is this material dimension of understanding that sexual complementarity of maleness and femaleness that's revealed in the body that points to what Pope St. John Paul II refers to as the spousal meaning of the body, as a way of living out the gift of self, that that is the totality of what life is about, of we've received everything, therefore we give everything. And the complementarity of the bodies, as we see in terms of just anatomy and biology, as being like a key in a lock, points to that spiritual reality. And so the spousal meaning of the body is revealed in its totality in heaven as a virginal state. That sacrificial gift of self is completely lived out before the throne of God. There you live perfect charity. You live the life of God life-giving, self-giving love. This is what Jesus Christ presented, by the way, in his virginal body on the cross. The life of God is Trinitarian. And so what we're working out here on earth is learning what it means to enter into the Trinity. That love between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is sacrificial, perfect love. Caritas, charity, Agape, all words for love, not just love, but the sacrificial love of God. That's our mission here on earth. That's why we're going to talk about what our mission is in just a moment, because the virginal state of the body is the final fulfillment of the human person in heaven. Pope St. John Paul II actually keeps pointing back to this is how we understand our mission. Mariad, the goal of what we are meant to be working on here on earth. This is why he gives us this human anthropology, because he's saying, don't just look at the creation, but look at the end. Look at the resurrection of Jesus Christ. What do we glean from this? And he's giving us a mission and a goal to work on. Pope St. John Paul II says, the reciprocal gift of oneself to God, a gift in which a man will concentrate and express all the energies of his body and mind. Pope St. John Paul II is saying that our mission is to understand the gift we've received from God and that we're meant to give ourselves completely back to him. And he says this, that we need to make this our primary element of concentration and that we need to express all our energies on this exercise the energy of our body and mind, uniting our body and soul that as St. Paul discusses, we can become a living sacrifice. Or where we were discussing in our Theology of the Body series over the last week or two, that we become a dwelling place of God, that we become tabernacles of the Holy Spirit. See, God isn't just asking us to live the life he's calling us to. He's empowering us to do so through the Holy Spirit. And so how do we concentrate and express all of our energy, both body and mind, on making ourselves a gift to God? This is why the Eucharist is so important. Receiving Christ so that we can give ourselves back to him. Presenting ourselves to him as a living sacrifice. It's a beautiful imagery if you think about it, that when that offertory occurs during Mass, the time when First, there's a collection basket, the money gets passed around, and then the offering of the bread and the wine are taken up to the altar. That offering is our altar. That sacrifice on the altar is a sacrifice the priest is making for us, including all of our sacrifices we're giving. So when you're there kneeling before the consecration, during the consecration, you are meant to be giving yourself to God. 
everything you have, everything you own, everything you worry about, you were called to be a gift of self. And if we focus, as Pope St. John Paul II is saying, all of our energy, body, and soul and concentration to this, we're discovering the meaning of life. We are hitting on the very anthropology that Pope St. John Paul II calls the theology of the body. And this is what we see of Jesus Christ on the cross, bloody, bruised, and beaten. He gave himself in totality to God. We can experience this now. And I think that this is what's so profound for me in many respects about the theology of the body of Pope St. John Paul II. He's simply going through sacred scripture and pulling out the most fundamental elements pointing to what it means to be a human being. And from that, creating a blueprint for how to live the li- our lives. And that's the cross. Giving ourselves in life-giving, self-giving love. And so he's preparing us for that beatific vision where we will see God face to face. We can see him now face to face. And although somewhat of a veiled way through the reception of the Holy Eucharist, through spending time in adoration, St. Paul and the apostles, when talking about marriage, actually all thought, and even the apostles said this in Mark 10 and Matthew 19, when Jesus is talking about marriage and how marriage is for life and what God's brought together, let no person put asunder. The apostles' response is, well, then it isn't expedient to marry. Who should get married then? That sounds really difficult. It is. It's impossible for men, but with God, all things are possible. St. Paul, and I think it's 1 Corinthians 7, himself talks about how if you're not married, you should stay so and not get married. If you are married, stay married, of course. But if you're not married, don't get married. Why? Because it's easier for some to focus now on the fact that the call of God is total life-giving, self-giving love. And so you can even sacrifice that desire for sexual complementarity, married life, and children in an oblation, that gift to God himself even now. It's part for me when I discerned religious life, why it seems so reasonable that consecrated life, becoming a religious sister, becoming a priest, a brother, all of these things our supernatural vocation that take us directly to God. And grant, yes, priests, religious, nuns, all, all of them can go to hell. We can make a commitment and fail to maintain that commitment. But being in a life of prayer and adoration and mutual support of having the right vision of the human body and the human person, keeping your eyes on God and being in good company, I think sure does have a positive influence. And that's why we should be aware of who we are engaging in, in terms of our day-to-day friendships and relationships. But I find it interesting that Pope St. John Paul II is pointing us in a direction to what gives interior peace and fulfillment. He talks about how there's psychological healing and understanding this union of body and soul and a gift of self. This is where Pope St. John Paul II tells us that we can be saints here and now. We're glimpsing heaven now if we're living in a state of grace and striving to make our life, our body, everything a living sacrifice to God, to be an indwelling of the Holy Spirit, to be that living tabernacle. And so this brings us to 
where Pope St. John Paul II in the Theology of the Body series starts to look at St. Paul's anthropology of the resurrection. And Pope St. John Paul II points to 1 Corinthians 15, which is a fantastic chapter. I hope you'll do this for homework of reading the full chapter of 1 Corinthians 15, focusing on the resurrection of Christ, the dead, and the body. In 1 Corinthians 15, St. Paul, remember, in sacred scripture, all of it is the inspired word of God, says, If Christ has not been raised, our preaching is in vain, and also your faith is in vain. Then he goes on to say, But now Christ has been raised from the dead. So St. Paul is saying, if Christ hasn't been raised, if the resurrection didn't occur, then all of my preaching is a mute. It's in vain. Your faith is in vain. It's pointless. This is significant because St. Paul's core understanding of his faith. Remember, he was a convert from Judaism. He was a convert who significantly persecuted the Jews. And St. Paul first converted with an encounter with the risen Lord. He was knocked off his horse at Damascus. Read the story. So he knows Jesus Christ in his risen state. That's his vision of Jesus Christ. What an incredible vision. Jesus Christ's resurrection reveals the final end of the human person, our fulfillment, body and soul united. This is why St. Paul talks about how we're imperishable, glorious, and full of power, spiritual in Christ. The body and soul are united, imperishable, glorious, full of power. Without Christ, without the resurrection, we're perishable, we're weak, we're in dishonor, we're a slave. We were talking about Mark 12 earlier, and Jesus emphasized that God is God, not of the dead, but of the living. How do we see this? At the burning bush, God presents himself as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God does not say those people are dead, they don't matter. No, he's saying they're alive. And they were created to be with me, and there is life after death. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 26, St. Paul says the last enemy to be destroyed will be death. And he juxtaposes Adam and Christ. There's death in Adam, but we're alive in Christ. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he goes on to say, Let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. I love this phrase. Let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. Are you ready? We tend to think that death will happen at the end of our life, and we think we'll live a long, God-willing, happy life. But our life could be taken in an instant at any point in time. I love this phrase, let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. St. Paul's talking about the resurrection of the body, the resurrection of Christ. The greatest thing that could happen would be union with God in heaven. It may happen today, it may happen tomorrow. Whenever it happens, I pray that it's in a state of grace. St. Paul says, We ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly while we wait for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. That's in Romans chapter 8. Right now, there's this disunity in the world and ourselves because of our fallen human nature and our need for God. But Pope St. John Paul II says the human body carries in itself the potentiality of the resurrection. I love that. The human body carries in itself the potentiality of the resurrection. 
that God's waiting to work on us. He is working on us, but sometimes we just don't cooperate. In 1 Corinthians 15, St. Paul says, what is sown is perishable, what is raised is imperishable. That is, what we try to do on our own, it's fleeting, it passes, it goes away. What do we go to our grave with? Nothing. What do we take to heaven? Nothing. But what is raised, what is given up to God is imperishable. We must learn to become a gift of self. This is possible through life in the spirit. This is why theology of the body, Pope St. John Paul II says in the 72nd talk, if we remain under the influence of the Holy Spirit, man is spiritual and produces the fruits of the spirit. In other words, what are some of those fruits of the, of the Holy Spirit? There are 12 of them. Peace, joy, gentleness, kindness, goodness. I want that. This is joy, the fulfillment of the body, the fulfillment of all our desires. So when we talk about the resurrection, it's part of our human anthropology. There is no life in God without death. 